from every story you watch on YouTube about how you got into Fang, you see that every one of them had a unique way they prepared for that experience. Right. You're listening to Rewire with Susan, the podcast for you to learn software development topics in the most simple way and acquire some guidance for your career in tech. Strap up and let's go. Here's your host, Susan. Hey, welcome to today's episode of Rewire with Susan. We have a cloud engineer from Google on the show. Welcome, Ugo. Could you tell us a bit about yourself? So, hey, everyone, my name is Ugo. Um, I work as a cloud engineer for Google, um, pretty much as a DevOps and SRE specialist inside of the cloud team. Prior to Google, I used to work with TR, Thomson Reuters. I worked as a lead DevOps engineer with TR. Prior to TR, I used to work with Amdocs, also as a DevOps engineer. So pretty much my my career started as a developer and I moved from a developer to a DevOps engineer and I think I'm still in DevOps right now. Um, yeah, that's pretty much about me. Cool, that's good to know. Because of the pandemic right now, we're living in a virtual world. So what's like a typical remote work life for you at Google currently? Wow. <laughs> That's that's pretty interesting. Um, so remote work right now is kind of different, right? Um, so the typical use case will be that if you, if you're in if 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 we were to be on on site right now or in the office right now, um, typical Google work is we have this amazing kitchens. We have this like 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 our food is great for lunch. I've heard a lot about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the offices are like really really cool like really well built um the 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 view generally um of google offices are are really great but that's completely different from working from home right but working from home all you see is the four walls of your house right so um i'm married with kids um so i guess my life is built around my family right now um but from a work perspective right um it's been a combination of onboarding for me right so i started with google during the pandemic and work has pretty much been about doing my onboarding from the house which will typically be with in the sun valley office right in the mountain view office sorry which is head office right and that's where you really get to have the real googly effect right um but our typical intern cap sorry our typical um nugla cap but yeah um it's pretty much been onboarding for me and just learning about the google technology um it's been a combination of um, teaching the kids and working at the same time. So I guess, I mean, that pandemic phase, like every other one, like, like, like every other person out there where it's pretty much very hard for you to separate, um, work and life, right? Because right now both are pretty much harmonized. So, yeah. yeah, um, I will say it's just typical, like what everybody's going through right now. 
Right, exactly. I feel like it's a fair gift. You get it to spend more time with family over missing a couple nice meals at Google. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, okay, so yeah. I, I know that you worked at other companies besides Google, like you mentioned, Thomson Reuters. So what would you say is the most interesting thing that you've, you've experienced currently that you haven't found anywhere else? There are a lot of things. The first thing I, I will say will be the culture, right? Um, the culture at Google is completely different from anywhere I've worked, right? Google is one of these places that is, from a diversity perspective, Google is highly diverse, right? Um, and as a result of that diversity, right, there, there are a lot of cultures that pretty much come together to bring out the best um, in Google, right? As much as Google also is very focused on hiring the right people. Um, there is a lot of empathy that I've seen in Google that I've not seen anywhere else. Um, from a team perspective, um, it's one of those places that you work as a team and you are super excited about it. Um, because empathy is something that Google takes very seriously because um, the way we work from a team perspective, mm -hmm. collaboration is at the center of that, right? Um, and having respect for one another is literally at the center of what we do. Um, as a result of that, it's just it's just one of those places that you get to work and 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 you're pretty much wowed every day as a result of the culture. So I think I'll just sum everything up in in in, in culture, right? The culture promotes collaboration. It promotes bringing your true self to work right um and yeah um from from a learning perspective i will say that it's one of those places where you learn a lot um and that's an understatement right the just the fact that you interact with some of the brilliant minds of the world um i think that pretty much just pretty much just um um makes you um better every day right but beyond techie stuff beyond all the skill sets we have um it's really about the people i think that's really where i could say that um it's it's a clear differential when i compare it to any other organization right and and yeah i actually see that even in terms of google products like you could tell that there's a lot of thought that goes into what goes out what is being produced there's a lot of thinking about how different people perceive the products and things like that so yeah i think that that's that's a plus for everyone looking to join google <laughs> so yeah going back to your experience being an engineer over the past i was talking to you on linkedin and i noticed you've been an engineer over 12 years you started your your engineering uh journey 2009 right yeah well officially yeah it was about <laughs> it was around two, 2009 right yeah. unofficially pretty much around um 2004 just right. when i was in when i was in university yeah right so what would you say is the most challenging experience over the course of your career oh that's that's tricky right so so the way i'd like to think about challenges are they pretty much um they come in different shades, right? And the way I process challenge is really not about what is most challenging, right? It's really about how do I learn from each of these challenges, right? 
I don't think there's any one challenge that I could single out to say this is the challenge that made all right. the difference, right? But I will say that there is a clear differential from a cultural cultural perspective when you work with different organizations, right? So um, I think for me, um, it's the fact that there, there are organizations that I've worked with in the past where the culture was not right. And so right. it, it did not, it, it didn't give enough room for innovation, right? Um, and that is something that, that will always tell, right? Once you have a very toxic environment, um, your people are not going to be very innovative, right? Because they pretty much just work based on fear. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, um, if I were to label any challenge, right? The only thing I will say will be that my challenge has really just been about times that I've worked in certain, certain places that the, the 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 environment was not very enabling right. um, to right. build as an engineer or to think like an engineer. Right. Being like a little bit more emphatic of yeah. what would you say would help, like especially for people that are listening to this that probably don't know how they are not creating an enabling environment for people they work for based on your experience what would you say are things that they can begin to introduce to their companies to kind of create that space where people can actually you know be innovative with what they're building right yeah so it's in two ways right first of all to the engineer right who is at that point where he or she's trying to build something right or he or she's trying to make some some sense out of the software engineering space, right? Uh-huh. The first thing will be that you need to take every, every, um, you need to see every challenge as a potential solution, right? Um, every challenge will definitely come in different shades, um, but you want to be able to see beyond the challenge. And I think that's something that helped me over a period of time. Um, as I started my journey, I learned that ability to see beyond individuals, right? So irrespective of who my manager was, I'm, I was always cautious about the fact that if I was learning something new about about a process, or if I was learning something new about a problem I'm trying to solve, mm-hmm. I was less critical about what my manager was doing about, about, right. about how I work, right? Right. So I will say that to that engineer who may feel like he or she's blocked in some kind of way based off the environment you're working mm-hmm. on, um, what you want to do is see beyond, see beyond the problem, right? See beyond the challenge and just look look around the fact that you're trying to build a career for yourself. Um, from an enabling perspective, so this is speaking to people who, from from your question. Um, um, should provide that kind of environment where your employees are or your engineers are mm-hmm. are, are able to innovate. I will say that um, um, you want to create a safe space where people are allowed to fail, right? Um, one of the things we do a lot in engineering, and I'm sure you know about this, is we're always very fast to critique ourselves, right? Um and, and, and you find a lot of this with pull requests, right? Um, I remember we've had a conversation once and and senior engineers just always want to talk down on much younger engineers, right? Which is completely yeah. wrong, right? And that is one of the things that the company I work with right now would not, would not tolerate, right? right? Because you want to build a culture where people feel that where's pretty much safe to fail, right? You're not encouraging people to fail, but you mm-hmm. want people to know that even when you fail, 
um, um, there's something we, we call there's something we call internally um, inside of Google as a blameless um, post mortem right it's, right. it's one of the things we released in one of our books, um, the site, site Reliability Engineering book, where we talk about it's pretty much creating a safe space for people to fail. And when you fail, nobody's going to come point fingers at you, right? We, we want you to be able to innovate, make mistakes, and which is really what I'll say to managers out there, right? Um, create that environment where people are able to fail and learn from the experience, right? And learn from what that failure resulted into pretty much. That's absolutely profound. Yeah, I 100% I agree with that. Um, another thing I would like to ask based on off on that is what would you consider the best advice you have gotten as an engineer so far? <laughs> so so I recall one of one of the managers I had um, some years back, I, I recall him telling me that um, to learn to, to think outside the box, right? Um, every time you see yourself as an engineer in some kind of box where it feels like you are narrow-minded when it comes mm -hmm. to how you're trying to solve a problem, I think the best advice for me was pretty much try to get outside that box and see if there are a ton of other ways you could solve that problem, right? Um, and the very minute as an engineer that I get into this place where I'm not able to see it see a solution to something mm -hmm. i pretty much know that i've caged myself in a box right um so for me i think the best advice will just be think outside the box um there is always a different solution for 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 one problem there are there are a ton of solutions that you could use to address um a problem right right so so one thing that is common with like prestigious companies like where you currently work is there is imposter syndrome, right? Um, have you had this, first of all? Because I know it's possible that geniuses like you don't have to deal with this, <laughs> but I have. <laughs> and funny enough, we've actually spoken about this um, on the show. We spoke about this recently, but have you had this and how have you been able to deal with it if, you, if you've had it? Okay, so 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 let me first of all say this, right? That anything I say is <laughs> is I think I should give a disclaimer, right? That sure. every, everything I say is personal, is based on right. my personal experience, right? 100%. And, and and it does not represent the organization I work for. Mm -hmm. But but to answer your question, um, I will say that yes, um, I have been in that position where I felt completely useless right i just i just felt like i i knew nothing and it felt like everything i thought i knew was just like so shallow right i i, yeah. I felt like even if i felt i had a lot of experience but you know when huh. you get to feel like all your experience doesn't really matter because um you just feel so shallow when you talk to your peers right that is very common i've i've been there i've felt that way a ton of times but one of the things I've learned over a period of time is that every experience you've had to any point in your career is very relevant, right? It's relevant mm -hmm. in the sense that you should never take your previous experience or any kind of experience you have um, for granted. Because the whole idea is it's meant to be a building block mm -hmm. to something better. Right. Now, having said that, it's always very it's very possible that you can you can actually mix lack of preparation 
with imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I've seen that a lot, right? I've seen people not be prepared for something and then they tie that directly to imposter syndrome where it's really more or less like you're not really prepared, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're, You're not ready for this. It's not really that because imposter syndrome means that kind of it, it tends to look like a negative thing, right? But the right. truth is, in a way, there is a beauty in it because it's the fact that you know something, but you're not sure about what you know, right? It's not that you don't know anything, mm-hmm. but you just you just feel that you just feel that uncertainty about what right. you know, right? Right. So I think it's always very good to separate both of them, right? Like you need to be prepared, and. But then again, imposter syndrome is something that you will always feel at every mm-hmm. point. I feel that way a lot of times. And I think for me, it's pretty much about, um, I've learned to breed. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I've learned how to just pause in the middle of a conversation and just breed. Like, right. I think that works. <laughs> right. So is that all you do when you experience, you just breathe and it goes all away. It goes away. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't, right? <laughs> but 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 I think I think one of the ways that for me I I always I always one of the mechanisms I use to solve imposter syndrome will be um, I try to ask myself the most difficult questions, right? Hmm. So I I try to ask myself one thing if if I'm having a session with someone, for example, or I'm having some kind of review with someone. Or I have a I have a meeting with somebody, and I know that in my mind the person is at a 10x thinking kind of level, right? right? From a knowledge perspective, I think the first thing I try to ask ask myself is, what is the most difficult part of this question, right? And I start asking myself each of these questions one by one. So take for example, what we're talking about, just random. Uh, we're talking about something in cloud engineering and we're talking about something in architecting, um, say, say um, a big data solution, for example. I think what I try to do is I want to be as prepared as possible for that mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I want to ask myself the most difficult questions. Because how imposter syndrome really works is that it it takes advantage of the fact that you're not sure of what you're going to have a conversation about, right? Or what you're going to talk about, or even your skill set. And then it leverages that to build fear and this uncertainty. And then that translates into like a lot of things, right? You get into a session and your voice is literally shaking, right? It pretty much just it pretty much will just transcend to a whole lot of things. But if you're able to ask yourself the very difficult questions ahead of time, um, so you you have an interview, for example, or you have a coding session with someone, or you have a coding review with somebody, and you ask yourself the very critical questions, the very hard questions, you realize that you are able to prepare for those kind of answers before you even ask that question. That gives you some level of certainty about that conversation. I'm not right. sure if I'm making. Right. I'm not sure if I'm making sense. Absolutely. But but that's just the way I address it. I always get into any session or any meeting with anyone, asking myself the very difficult questions, um, because mm-hmm. I know that if I could answer the very difficult questions, um, the chances that you will ask something more difficult than that is is very rare. Right. 
I, I think one thing I'm getting from what you're saying is the importance of being brutally honest with yourself, even though Correct. in my in my heart, right? And even though you might not be prepared to face the outcome of being honest with yourself, but it has to be there for you to actually be able to grow. Exactly. Um, yeah. Thank you for being really honest about that. So what are some of the things that you think or in your opinion, you think it, it developers should consider between like if faced with the choice of working with a startup where you are probably going to be doing most of the work. So I think the reason behind this question is because I've had a lot of situations where people work in um, top top tech companies, right? And they, there's the likelihood that they work on something really small compared to like what's going on in in the company as a whole so there is the concern of having having ownership of projects or you know possibly staying so long on something and you don't know how long it's going to last and you know so i feel like some people might have that concern that okay if i have these two offers if i take working in a startup, for example, I'm definitely sure I'm going to get a lot of technical experience. I'm going to grow my skills. I'm going to take ownership of products, but I don't know what that's going to look like if I join a big four company, for example. So what are your thoughts on that? What do you think someone in, in those shows should consider before making that decision? That's, that's a very tricky question. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I like to think about experience is in two ways. First of all, you can be a learner um you can you, you can approach your experience based on i want to learn and i want to give right or you can exp you can you, you can approach it with i want to do both right how you approach it is usually tied to where you are in your journey right so we're not all at different phases mm -hmm. um we're not all in the same phase or right. in our journey, right? So how we approach where we want to work um, based off of if we want to be people who learn or if we want to be people who um, um, give. And by give, I mean share share your experience, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is the way I think about a startup is um, you need to be highly experienced to work in a startup, right? Um, as a very young engineer, mm -hmm. going into a startup is great because you are going to do a lot of learning, right? So it's going to be a whole lot of learning on your on your part. Mm -hmm. um, there is very little you're going to do when it comes to giving. And by giving, I mean sharing your experience, right? right. You're just going to be throwing a lot of work and you have mm -hmm. to get it all. You have to make that work, right? But at the end of the day, um, you get to learn from that process, right? Um, as as your journey continues, right, you tend to get to that point where um, you want to do both, right? And I think that that's where you start to consider, okay, if I were to work in a big tech company, for example, um, what kind of technologies am I going to interact with? Mm -hmm. Again, this is not this is this is not a one-sided question. There, there there are several ways this 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 question this this response could go but the truth is it really depends on the individual it really depends on the engineer um, if you want to go into a company where um, you're very fascinated with the kind of technology stack they use 
um, or you're very fascinated with the kind of products they've built over a period of time, um, or you want to be somebody who learns a lot um, based off of um, the, the amount of work that comes to your table, right? That should really guide your journey on where you should go to, right? Because you need to know that in a startup, because you have a lot of work to do, you may not be learning a lot That's from right. a from a knowledge perspective. You may not be gaining a lot of knowledge because you'll be involved in a lot of toil, right? And what you want to be able to do at some point in your in, in, in your career journey is you want to be able to manage and balance your toil versus how you learn and how you're growing right right so so i will say that there there's no one there's no one, one there's answer. no one one right. answer for this it's it's really just about where you are in your journey and what you want to be doing at that time um working for big tech companies give you a lot of things right because you learn a lot from what they've built over time right mm-hmm. um, most of these companies have pioneered um a lot of core engineering infrastructure right and just being part of that allows you to learn the real internals of how these um these technologies work which comes with a lot of advantages right because you no longer see things from just the surface level right you're able to see the real depth and breadth um, um of a product but yeah i will say for, for me, I think the shortest um, answer will be that it's really dependent on where you are in your journey. Right. And I'm really glad you brought up that shortest answer because it just reminds me of how diplomatic engineers can be about their answers to questions. <laughs> <laughs> we, never, I, we never answer directly, right? We never give right? a straight answer. It's <laughs> exactly. there are just so many factors involved, right? Exactly. Okay. Okay, so um, for newbie techers or even OGs looking to work in a fan company, what's your advice on getting jobs at a company like Google and some tips that could help in acing the technical interview? The shortest answer to that will be preparation, right? Um, you have to be prepared. You have to. There are a lot of things you can do there and, 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 and there are a lot of resources out there. Um, I will say that prepare um make every day count there are folks who their journey pretty much into a fang kind of organization was like what six four months so they just spent a lot of time just preparing around um how the coding interview goes for example or how the system design interviews go for example but i will say that you need to be prepared you need to be you need to be well prepared um, and then you need to be confident, right? Um, there are a lot of resources that I can link to you, and yeah. these are public resources, right? Where you could see a lot about, you could watch a lot of YouTube videos about folks who have made this journey, right? It's really about preparation. From every story you watch on YouTube about how you got into Fang, you see that every one of them had a unique way they prepared for that experience, right? right? So they right. took their time, they they invested a lot of time into just building their skill set mm-hmm. to be Fang kind of level, right? Because a lot of times, I think the whole idea around Fang really is if you can build, if you can get engineers to be this diligent Mm -hmm. to jump over like a really um high high bar right um the tendency is that you you're going to get them to be diligent 
on the on their daily jobs right because they've been able to build that diligence over a period of time so at the end of the day when it's time for you to get into the interview you're not going to be you're not going to be like 100% like confident that you're just going <laughs> you're just going to kill it right because there are a lot of unknowns right there are a lot of questions right. that could come your way that you probably have never seen before right because you're talking to fellow engineers right and their minds are like their minds are in this separate world right mm-hmm. they probably think in like binary right like ones and zeros <laughs> so 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 they, they, the way they could switch the questions on you could just change completely. But but the whole idea is once you've prepared a lot, once you've been able to create that daily preparation plan and build that preparation over a period of time, you realize that whatever question comes your way, you always will have some kind of response, even if it's not perfect, but you have some kind of response that gives you an edge to get in the job right um so yeah in short i would say preparation is the key it's really the key to to get in to getting past this awesome i'm glad that this this the answer to this question was not um <laughs> a variable <laughs> <laughs> it was it's a straight answer yeah thank you for that so we're gonna play a game now and it's called um two truths and a dare sorry no not two truths and a dare actually two truths and a lie so you're going to tell me three things about you. Two should be true and one should be a lie. And I'm supposed to guess which one is the lie. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I have a feeling that this is going to be easy for me, but let's see. Let's see what a Googler can do. <laughs> okay, I'll try. Oh, am I supposed to ask? Yeah. Am I supposed to say things? You're supposed to say, like, maybe I love, I love kangaroos. Like two, three different things. <laughs> two should be, two, <laughs> two should be, okay. two should be things that are true, and one should be a lie. And I'm supposed to guess which one is the lie. So please try and make it difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, this is hard. Okay. Uh. So I enjoy, I enjoy cycling. Uh, I'm a wrestler. Okay. <laughs> what else? There are five people in my house. That's plus myself. Currently, or <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like my family is made up of five people. Okay. Like... Oh, I, I see. So I'm supposed to guess which one? Seriously, are you really making this this easy? Because oh, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> So I have no idea. <laughs> I've never, I've never played this before, so I have oh. no idea what to say. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay for me to win this one. <laughs> so I'm gonna guess that it's the wrestler. I think I'm quite sure you're not a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm not a yeah, wrestler. yeah, yay! <laughs> anyway. Thank you, um, Ugo. Thank you so much for making it um, to the show after I literally chased you for <laughs> how many weeks. But I'm really yeah. glad that you're able to make it. And I appreciate like all the advice and everything that you have shared and your experience as well. And yeah, that's it. I wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um... And yeah, next time you won't have to chase me to get to, get to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I but hope yeah. so. <laughs> no problem. All right. 
Head on over to rewirewithsusan.com to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to your podcast player and drop a review if you like this show. 